The temps are warmer, you've mowed the lawn, and maybe even turned on the AC a time or two. It's definitely spring. So SpI.com is having their spring sale. Log on now and get local deals up to 50% off before they're gone. SpI.com. This podcast is a part of the Newhoff Media Podcast Network. We say good morning to John Strimstraffer at the Community Foundation for the Land of Lincoln. So I learn something from you every day. Well, not from you, from Mr. Grousball. I learn because... You're just here. How I'm you doing? Just here. I'm doing okay. How are you doing? I did not. I always assumed, or you go assumed, uh, that the foundation might have been one or two counties involved. Yeah. Give me the good news. Well, eight. We've been at. Come on. Serving eight counties for over a decade now. Um, yeah. We changed our name from Sangamon County to the Community Foundation for the Land of Lincoln. About, okay. Uh, 2011. Right. And so we serve Sangamon, Logan, Morgan, Cass, uh, Menard. Montgomery, McCoopin, and Christian. So you do Logan, Lincoln, do. Lincoln. You yeah. go up there once in a while. We have an employee who lives in Lincoln, in Lincoln now. Really? Yeah. Very good. Okay, so you just had a banquet or a get-together, award ceremony. What was it? Uh, we had a 20th anniversary celebration. Yeah, thanks for the invitation. Ago. I didn't get one, but thanks a lot. <laughs> well, it, this one had a ticket price. Most of our events don't. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I didn't get it. <laughs> You know what? No, I did. I think I did get an invitation. Yeah, I did. No, I'm, I did. Well, and I saw the ticket price. We invite you to all kinds of things, Sam. You never show up. You're right. <laughs> Let's don't go there. No, you're right. You're right. We don't do that much. But tell me about the, the 20th. And wow, that's. Yeah. It's been, and you've been involved for how many years? Uh, almost 20. Almost they, they 20. They started the foundation in 2002. I was yeah. hired as the first employee in 2003. So April 1st will be my 20th anniversary. And uh, how much has it changed? I mean, the amount of money that you yeah, give in grants and so on has certainly changed over the years. Yeah, it's been incredible. It's been such a fun ride, such a fun life for me in this career. Um, we started with under a million bucks. Now we've got over 60 in assets. We gave away $5 million last year alone. Over the last three years, we just had a little event last week, and we announced over, th- over the last three years nearly $13 million given away in that period of time. Nearly 300 funds now at the Community Foundation. Yeah. It's just grown in so many ways because we have so many generous people around here. Before I forget, how's the family doing? They're doing great. Uh, yeah. The young, the sophomore playing basketball. Playing basketball. They're J- having a decent year. JV girls are, well, She primarily JV. She's dressed in varsity. Okay. Uh, JV, I think, has lost one. Varsity. Really? Varsity's doing real well as well. Yeah. Um, and tonight, if you're not doing anything, Sam. Jimmy? Bless the Sackman boys play, the, play in Waverly. Come on out. Oh, Okay. <laughs> You know, see me I, do on the have, I do have three grandkids going to Christ the King, and sure. I don't know if I've seen any of their games yet. I, a volleyball's coming, and I've got an eighth grade daughter who plays volleyball. So fun, fun. I'm a big volleyball bump set spike guy type of guy. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> tell me about your board because you have the president of the board today. Well, since the very beginning, uh, the good people that hired me, and for 20 years, I would put our board up against anybody in the community. It's an incredible group of people, great volunteers, and today I have with me uh, Al Grosball, who's the current chairman of the board. Mr. Grosball, good morning. You have been here before. Welcome back. Uh, let's clear up some things. Uh, there was the Martin Way restaurant on North Grand Avenue, uh, right across from the Lincoln Center, where I used to go over and have pancakes at Doc Adams's place. But while I was in college, every day lunch, we would go to the Martin Way. Uh, the Grosball family ran it on North Grand Avenue. Any relation? Yeah, absolutely. With that last name, we're all related. <laughs> uh, we're all from a little bitty small area in the south of Denmark. To south of Denmark. And that's where the dads and grandparents and everybody came from. Yeah. So Martin Grosbel, who started the Martin Way, yeah. uh, was the grandson of a Dane that came over in the 1870s. 
and my dad was a grandson, did, did so they most, were cousins. Did most of the grouse balls reside in Springfield, Simon County, or where did you call home? So we don't know why, but when they these three brothers left Denmark, they all three went to Petersburg, Illinois, and uh, it, it's a mystery. We'll never know why. Uh, so most of them settled initially in Petersburg, and then a few moved on to other areas. And, of course, we had uh, two brothers, uh, uh, Kenneth and Martin Grosbold, that moved up to Springfield. Uh, Mr. Grosbold, Grosbold is well-known locally. He was, well, let's just talk about some other things. I'll get to that in a minute. I, I promise we may yeah, get lay, a question. Lay, leave my criminal record. Uh, <laughs> believe me, I, I will do that. I pray, appreciate it. It's John, who's wearing the ankle bracelet, not you. Uh, let's remind everybody. Uh, you have lived, well, you developed on top of the hill at Elkhart. What is that area called? Well, Petersburg. Petersburg, yeah. when I say Elkhart, yeah. I was thinking of hell. Yeah. Okay, Petersburg. Uh, Grand Oaks. Grand Oaks. Grand Oaks, Oaks. yeah. Uh, how many lots were there on Grand Oaks? So the the concept was to create a conservation subdivision. Okay. And that had 62 lots, and the 62 lots were on the edge of, a hundred acres of timber that we put under protective covenant, uh, four miles of hiking trails, thirty-five acres of restored prairie, and then again on the edges of that we had home sites. Are, are the sites half acre, acre, or do they differ in size? Well, they they differ, but most of them were at least an acre, and some went up to as much as seven acres. Really? Mm-hmm. Are there any lots still available? Are there are one or two, one or two still there? Still there, but. I'm not here to sell. No, lots no, no, today. no. We're not. But, I, uh, might, I might be. They can call me. I'll take it. No, but, uh, but, but that's. I mean, are, are you? You had partners, obviously. Was it yeah. a tough negotiation to buy that property? Yeah, uh, that property had been in one family's hands since before the Civil War. There was an 1862. Uh, we call it mansion, but house on the property. There was a small farmstead on the property. So uh, it took quite a while, but eventually we were able to purchase it, uh, sold off parts of it, and then proceeded with the development. You came to Springfield, uh, well, with Jim Edgar. What is your relationship? How did it go back, your relationship to Jim Edgar? So I graduated from Eastern Illinois University in 1973, and I applied for a legislative internship. And... uh, one of the people interviewing me gave me a hard time, lots of tough questions. I thought the guy probably really hated my guts. Ends up, from Eastern. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Ends up, the guy liked me and picked me, and then I found out it was Jim Edgar. And he was uh, 26 years old. He was the chief of staff for the Speaker of the House. And I went to work, and basically I ended up working for Governor Edgar for the next, uh, off and on for the next 26 years. You you went with him then from the Secretary of State's office into the governor's office? What was the roles that you had in those positions? Well, I was initially the uh, director of motor vehicles uh, for four years in the Secretary of State's office. And then uh, I became the deputy secretary and chief of staff for the office and did it for a little over six years. Then I moved to the governor's office. I was one of his five executive assistants initially. And then the latter half, I was his deputy chief of staff and senior policy person. How was Governor Edgar able, I know, John, this should be about your thing, but I find this fascinating. How was Jim Edgar to make things work, especially with Democrat many times control General Assembly and dealing with a Mike Madigan? Uh, did they have a mutual respect for each other? 
Yes, they did. Did they? They did. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they differed on many issues, but there was a healthy respect for both of them. I remember in 1997 when the education funding reform bill passed uh, of that era, uh, which funneled oh, something like $600 million of additional money into schools. Even Speaker Madigan stood up at the signing and said this was all because of Jim Edgar, because he would not lose sight of what the end prize was, and that was to get that bill passed. So I I think the key to Jim Edgar's success was that he always had a sense of what was doable and how to get there, and uh, not to get caught up in perfection, but to get what was practical and what was doable. Did you are you surprised he never pursued anything else after he left the governor's office in ninety eight? Yeah, I'm sure he had opportunities. Yeah, of course he had a had a wide open path for the U.S. Senate if he wanted to go that route. And the polling at the time, uh, you know his his uh, approval ratings were in the mid sixties, right? Unheard of for a two term governor, and uh, he obviously could have run for reelection. But I think he decided it was time. He'd spent eight years as governor, and he always had said, if you can't accomplish what you want to do in eight years, it's time to move on. And uh, Plus, he had some health considerations at the time and um, had a family that he wanted to care for. So uh, he made the right decision for he and his family. Al Grosball is with us along with John Strimstreffer. They are, of course, with the Community Foundation of the Land of Lincoln. Uh, they just celebrated their 20th anniversary, that organization. Mr. Grosball, how did you get involved with the uh, with the foundation? Well, I'll answer that, but first I want to tell you, there are still tickets available for I'm the sure event we had last fall. Yeah, I'm sure. I'll get a lot of those. Yeah, uh, thanks a lot. So, you know, I I had heard about the foundation going back several years, but really the, the first major contact I had was I was president of the New Salem Lincoln League, which supports Lincoln's New Salem State Park. And a family left us some money. And we had some specific purposes for that money, but we had leftover funds. And we wanted to use that as an opportunity to create an endowment. We contacted the foundation, and uh, we put $125,000 into the foundation. Uh, That has grown remarkably over the years. And that's given us the flexibility to be able to uh, fund more programs at New Salem. That relationship was really an outstanding professional relationship. And, uh, and then a few years later, uh, I was approached to see if I wanted to be on the board. And uh, I said, absolutely. So I've been on the board for several years, and uh, I'm currently chairman. It's been a great honor. And uh, as John said, it's a great board uh, Everybody's there on a volunteer basis, and it's all about how can we give back to the community. John Schiffer, in this time of era we live in, uh, how challenging is it to get the returns for people Mm -hmm. on their investment? Yeah, it's been a tough year in the markets for sure, Um, and we notice a little slowdown in giving. A lot of people give appreciated securities to the community foundation, so when they're not appreciating, it's it's a little uh, bit of a challenge. That said, we're going to have another banner year. Um, perhaps, you know, we got a couple more weeks of giving uh, still on the books, but we could have our best year ever this year. Uh, just some, some of that circumstantial, you, things like estate gifts, other circumstances where it's kind of a one-off, it doesn't have anything to do with the market, you're going to get the funds that year. Um, but it does 
slow a bit in times like this, we're more affected by the markets as far as income goes than the general economy. But we're concerned about, you know, potential recession and um, inflation, all those things. It does affect giving a bit. But at those times, we also give away a lot of money because we know there's a lot of um, people in need, the variety of charitable organizations we give to in our region. So uh, we hope that regardless of these ebbs and flows of the financial market, we're always going to be there for the community. How many, In a typical year, if there is such a thing, in the past 20 years, how many new members do you receive who set up a foundation? Oh, gosh, um, 20, 25 a, a year. year. Per year, yeah. Okay, let's explain everybody, or to those not familiar, what it's about and why may some people want to do this. Sure. Uh, community foundations exist all around the country, and they are for local giving primarily, although we legally can give grants anywhere in the country. We can send a check out to charity in California or New York, wherever you want it to go. But 95% of the giving is local. So people who care about their their community, it's a great vehicle for giving. You also want people who are thinking long-term. As Al said, the New Salem-Lincoln League set up a permanent endowment at the Community Foundation. People who, if it's not a permanent endowment, it's kind of a quasi-endowment. It's not $1,000 in, $1,000 out. It's going to be more like 100000 in, let's invest it and spend 4000 the next year kind of model. So people who are thinking long-term, a lot of the people we work with is through their estate planning. When they're gone, what, what's going to happen with their resources? We have, gosh, nearly 100 people now who have put us in their estate plans. Wow. So it's, that is where the more significant dollars come, especially for folks who don't have family, uh, children, and to, to logically give it to immediately. Thinking of how do what do we do with our resources? We want to give back in certain ways. You can customize it. I think that's a very popular feature of community foundations. It can be as broad as, hey, we love Petersburg. We want to give money for a non-restricted fund in Menard County. Or we love St. Martin de Pours and we love our church. We love our alma mater. We're going to set up a fund. The endowment gives checks to all three of those each year. It, it can be very broad or very specific. How So if I set up a foundation in my name and whatever, let's say it's prospective teachers Mm -hmm. uh, and you're going to give a grant every year out of that foundation. Do I have any say in who receives that grant? You do. Um, We have what we call donor advised funds. So if you want to do that during your lifetime, you put in the money and you don't even have to restrict the purpose at that point. You can just fill out a form and the grants will go to wherever you recommend they go. And so that's very flexible, very popular form of philanthropy in this country. Or you could set that fund up through your, your will and you give that money to us and you say it's for those teachers, they're for their education, we will abide by that in perpetuity to make sure that those funds are going out to educate faculty at Lincoln High School. It could be a, a fund for those faculty members. And then they go on uh, to get their education and it's a better world because of it. Is there a minimum amount uh, when people are seeking to set up a foundation? T- depending on the type of fund, it's either 10000 or $20,000. That would take care of it. Yeah. They can be part of this. Al Grasball, again, what about the organization that you chair? How has it changed over the years? What challenges does the, does you have as the board chair, members of the board, and working with John Strimstrup, what are the challenges? Well, I think the two ways that it's changed is, John made this point early on, is growth. It's grown from $800,000 to well over $60 million wow. today. Uh, it's grown from a couple of funds, well, probably one fund, Uh, up to almost 300 different funds that are out there. The second thing that I think has changed is that uh, the scope of the work has broadened. Uh, You know, 
When people think about leaving money for something, so often they think, oh, I'm going to create a scholarship. Scholarships are fine, but the truth is that there are many, many, many other needs in the community. And that's one of the things that's happened with the foundation is that we have really broadened the scope of our work. Dealing with homeless people, uh, dealing, helping uh, uh, food centers, uh, planning for the future uh, in our communities, all of those things matter. Um, protecting historic sites. We could, we could create a list of 100 items here that the foundation is now supporting and helping. It's not just about scholarships. So I think those are the two big things. Scope has broadened, and the amount of money we're dealing with has just grown uh, in an incredible way. That's a reflection that in central Illinois, this is a very giving community. People want to help. They're creative. It's been great. Two questions remaining, Mr. Grosball, both of them not dealing necessarily with the foundation. Um, how long was it in your relationship did you realize the appreciation and almost love that Jim Edgar had for horses and horse racing? <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I'm not sure when I first noticed it, other than uh, from the very beginning of my knowing him, he liked to ride horses. Okay. Uh, and then later on, he loved to watch horse racing. Yes. So, um, you know, he's here in Springfield now, and he's been here for, oh, gosh, at least a decade. Right. And uh, loves to go to county fairs, go to other events, and watch horse racing. I'll see him sitting at the state fair, even on some in October when they're having a year, and he'll be sitting there by himself and not, yeah. you know, you know, not there to sign autographs. See, he just loves, and he sometimes has a horse or two in the race. He's been known to have that. Number two, um, you're from Petersburg, Grand Oak. We know beautiful area on top of the hill. What in the world has happened to Petersburg in the last three to five years? It has literally exploded. It has. Um, I grew up in Petersburg, and uh, when I grew up in the 1950s, I hate to say that, uh, you know, most of the stores around the square were filled. Uh, but then, like many, many small towns, uh, most rural areas, the town began to be vacated. Uh, and we went through those ups and downs like every other community. But today, there is not a storefront in Petersburg that isn't filled really? or about to be filled. Uh, the uh, architecture in the community is being respected around the square. Many of the buildings maintain the look they had in the late 19th century. The Victorian houses in town mm. are just looking spectacular. What, what's happened, though, is we've had a couple of entrepreneurs that came in and really helped spark this. The brewery started it. And interestingly, that's happened in a lot of communities. A, a, a small brewery. Microbrewery type thing. That's absolutely. right. Then, of course, we had the Broad Gauge come in. Mm. Uh, extraordinary uh, restaurant development. Uh, we've had a, another place. A wine bar has opened up, uh, first and third. And then... Uh, I would say we are up now to four or five boutique clothing stores. And that's, that's kind of the key. These things go hand in hand. You have boutique stores, so people go out to shop, and then they want a place to eat lunch in or go have a beer in or vice versa. So it, it's just been stunning what's happened. Um, lots of entrepreneurship and, uh, and a lot of community support. 
Gentlemen, I can't say thank you enough. We could continue this for a long time. It's fascinating. John Sturmsteffer, thanks for bringing in the guest you, because you're pretty average at best. <laughs> That's what my wife tells me all the time. <laughs> Believe uh, me. But Folks, Sam, he, sincerely. He is a blessing for Springfield, John Sturmsteffer, and I mean that sincerely. He's a good friend, has been for a long time, and what he has done for the foundation is a blueprint for how things should be done in this community. Well, Sam, right back at you, and sincerely, the platform you give us to come in once a month and talk about things in the community is so appreciated. I don't know if you realize how many people listen to this show, get their news from this show, especially especially their local news in a time when we don't have as much. So we so appreciate you having us on here all the time. Good Christmas. Good New Year's. Thanks. You Mr. Brown's always good to see you, my friend. Thank you, Sam. Take good care. Good to see you. You've been listening to the Newhoff Media Podcast Network. For more, visit newhoffmedia.com.